Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It's time for the Rick Smith Show. Now, here is the voice of the working class, Rick Smith. And welcome, brothers, sisters, working class heroes. This is the Rick Smith Show. Thanks so much for being here today on the big program. Lots to get to. Lots to talk about. Going to start off today with Teamsters General President Sean O'Brien. This picture. What in God's name were you thinking? Uh, It was reported on Thursday that on Wednesday, Sean O'Brien, the president of the Teamsters, sat down with Donald Trump in Mar-a-Lago for a uh, a discussion around important issues that uh, faced the Teamsters Union. Evidently had a productive discussion. And I got to tell you, I know the Teamsters uh, have a strategic initiatives department. I know they've got a political department. I know they got some, some people over there who think they know what they're doing. This, this is stupid. This is probably one of the dumbest things I've seen in 35 years of being a Teamsters member, uh, in 30 plus years of being a political a- activist, uh, in the nearly 20 years I've been doing this 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 little gig, uh, probably the dumbest thing I've seen, by far. Because Donald Trump is a guy who has shown his hand. He has shown what kind of a president he is going to be, because we we saw what he was. Trump is not a supporter of workers' rights. He's not a supporter of the right to organize. He doesn't support collective bargaining. He doesn't support a worker's right to strike. He supports nothing that organized labor, that organized workers stand for. He has said straight out he supports the anti-worker right-to-work laws. You know... No rights, no work, but hey, lots of profits for corporate America. No power for working people. Remember Janice, Sean? You remember the the decision that Trump's appointee to the Supreme Court helped usher through that made our entire nation a no-rights-at-work nation for the public sector? Remember that ring a bell? Why would you platform someone like Donald Trump in the labor world? Do I need to remind you that the Trump NLRB ruled in favor of employers time and time again? In fact, so often that many unions stopped bringing cases before the NLRB altogether. Many of my friends in the Teamsters, that the Teamster-led NLRB made it easier for employers to classify workers as independent contractors who can't be union members. Ring a bell? Does this, does this, does this click? The fact that the Trump uh, folks gutted the Labor Department and the regulations that protect workers' health, their safety, their wages, their benefits, any of this? 
that they filled every regulatory body with corporate shills who attacked workers, their wages, their benefits, their conditions, any of this popping up? That at every single turn, Trump and his appointees pushed policies that increased corporate power over working people? Any of this catching? Any of this catching that Trump's a scab crossed picket lines of striking workers? Does this, does this, anything? That Trump, you know, made lots of promises, never lived up to any of them, and that you've platformed him before January 6th? And, and basically a slap in the face to Joe Biden, who, as Representative Bill Pascrell points out in his tweet, a reminder that when Democrats saved the pensions of a million truckers, every single Republican in Congress voted no and voted to tell the Teamsters to drop dead. Every Republican. Now, Donald Trump had four years, four years to save uh, those, those pensions and get the Butch Lewis Act passed. Did nothing, was never going to do anything. Why would you take a photo with him at Mar-a-Lago? I don't get it. Sorry, I just don't get it. The fact that, you know, at the end of last year, President Biden issued an executive order making project labor agreements mandatory on all federal contracts over $35 million, something Donald Trump hates. Looking at the NLRB under Biden, I have no idea why you would choose to platform someone like Donald Trump. It makes no sense. Other than maybe some genius in the strategic initiatives department or the communications department or the political department said, hey, we're not getting enough attention. Well, guess what? You're getting a bunch of attention now because I'm being inundated with my Teamster brothers and sisters across the country who are not thrilled. Quite angry, in fact. And quite frankly, this, whoever whoever convinced you, Sean, to do this should be fired immediately. There should be consequences. I voted for you, buddy. I'm pulling for you. I want you to do well. This, this was a bad idea. I want to hear your thoughts. Email me, rick at thericksmithshow.com. Was it a mistake to platform Donald Trump? a day, couple of days before January 6th and marry the Teamsters up with that mess? Especially for a guy who did nothing to help when he had the chance? I want to hear your thoughts. Email me, rick at thericksmithshow.com. Right back. We are AFGE, the American Federation of Government Employees. We represent 700,000 federal and D.C. government workers who are the vital threads of the fabric of American life. We support our nation's military. We take care of our nation's veterans. We protect our nation's borders. We respond to our nation's crises and natural disasters. We provide services to our nation's seniors. The American Federation of Government Employees. We work for America. We are AFGE, the American Federation of Government Employees. We represent 700,000 federal and D.C. government workers who are the vital threads of the fabric of American life. We support our nation's military. We take care of our nation's veterans. We protect our nation's borders. We respond to our nation's crises and natural disasters. We provide services to our nation's seniors. The American Federation of Government Employees. We work 
for America. Are you tired of think tank approved corporate news and commentary? Are you tired of CEOs telling you what to think, who to hate, and who to vote for? Well, welcome to the Rick Smith Show. We don't take orders from some boardroom, and we don't do focus groups or talking points. We don't work for them, and we never will. I'm Rick Smith, and I work for you. Join us daily at thericksmithshow.com and download the podcast and never miss a minute. Welcome back to the Rick Smith Show. Now, here is Rick Smith. So again, tomorrow is going to be January 6th. And I think everybody remembers where they were uh, on January 6th, 2021. I was glued to the TV watching uh, what I'm told now was, you know, uh, a, 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 a fun day. Uh, We had the board game we talked about yesterday, the funniest day in American history, they say. Um, Another person told me it was, you know, the Clintons who put on a little display. Uh, The FBI did it. There's all these theories, all this rewrite. Uh, The Epic Times has a, uh, a rewrite documentary. All this stuff telling us what we saw with our own eyes was not true. Uh, And here to share some thoughts on what we can expect on January 6th and what, what, other tall tales will come along. And that's why I've asked our good friend Chris Hahn to come talk with us. Chris is the host of the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. Chris, thanks for taking time for us. Anytime. How you doing? Happy uh, New Year. Uh, happy New Year to you as well. I hope you had a great holiday. I did. So um, it's only been three short years. And yeah. already the story has completely flipped. Uh, no, no responsibility whatsoever for Trump, from what I'm told. Uh, nothing was done wrong. Uh, in fact, the the insurrectionists uh, they were welcomed in. You know, the police yeah. you know helped them come in. In fact, you know, I had one person tell me it was actually the FBI who broke the windows. It wasn't the yeah. the people who we actually saw break the windows. Uh, uh, are you surprised by this? I'm not surprised. Um, there is a party in this country that is devoid from any reality. Uh, and uh, the people who are not devoid from reality are too weak to tell the truth. They, the, the problem for Republicans is that nobody wants to lead. They want to follow. Right. They want to follow Trump. They want to follow people who support Trump. Uh, and they're afraid to tell the truth. They were telling the truth after January 6th. And, and there are, you know, exceptions to the rule. There are some people who are out there telling the truth about this. But the vast majority of Republicans are afraid to tell the truth because they're afraid of what it will do to them. And I I always ask the question, what's the point of being a member of Congress? What's the point of being a senator if you're not going to lead? Right. And, and in America, what better thing can you lead than to lead your people away from a man who does not have the best interests of America at heart, who planned an insurrection, uh, should be held responsible and accountable for that insurrection. And at every chance that they have been given an off-ramp to get rid of this guy, get them get him, get them out of their lives, they have passed. They have decided to follow him and take the easy path and support him and allow him to run roughshod over them and their plans. And uh, I'm afraid that uh, it is looking more and more likely this man's going to be the nominee for the Republicans. Barring, uh, you know, I, I've I've said this: if you south the fifty percent in Iowa, it's a loss, and it could actually lead to him losing in New Hampshire. 
Uh, he set expectations so high politically. And I think when you set your expectations high, you better meet them. Right. Um, if you don't, uh, it's a loss, even if it's a win. So we'll see. But I, I think it's not looking good. I, I think his primary opponents have failed to adequately define him as an insurrectionist, as a, uh, a, a narcissist who has only his own interests at heart, who is bent on revenge and not on helping the American people achieve the American dream. Um, and yeah, I, I think this is a, a, a very important inflection point in the history of this country. And we'll see where it goes. You know, I, I say all the time. Uh, I think that we will ultimately prevail, but I think, you know. Yeah, one of these things I say, I say all the time, you know, Democrats fall in love, Republicans fall in line. And we are yeah. watching Republicans fall in line each and every day uh, behind Trump. I mean, I think I've been saying, you know, from, from the beginning of all this, there's no way he's not going to be the nominee. I've had a bunch of people say, no, no, he's not going to be the he's going to be the nominee. I believe I don't think there's any way to stop him uh, other than, you know, I, I don't know if you saw the Jesse Waters show uh, where they had they had the tarot card reader come out. Yeah. And, and the card she flips happened to be the death card. Um, you know, I, and I'm not I, I don't wish bad things I, maybe I, I'm not going to go there. Um, I don't wish bad things on him. I wish every day I wake up and I hear, I read in the paper that Donald Trump's decided to go live in Scotland and play golf on his magnificent Scottish golf course and never bother us again. Yes. Look, Donald, I know you're a fan of this show. I know you, you watch Rick's show every week religiously. Um, you only have so many more summers where you will hit from the tips. <laughs> Uh, and you should take your time and do that and not bother with this whole political thing uh, and move on yeah. and forget about it. I'm go right go with live you. your life. Go, go do the that. money you stole from the rubes who've been giving you money the last couple of years. Go take that. Get on your plane with your name on it. And go live in Scotland at your golf course. It's a beautiful course from what I'm told. No, no, no. Go, go chase a ball around. Go, right. Go do your thing. I'll make a deal right now. I'll pardon you. I'll call up Biden and we'll have him pardon you. You know, just go. Absolutely. I, I, I said that from the beginning. I just, uh, yeah. be done. Let's move on. Let's go. move forward. Uh, but here's the thing. I mean, you know, there is no moving forward at this point because, well, um, I think it's only going to get crazier. I think the chaos level is going to ramp up. I don't think yeah. Trump has a platform to run on, obviously. I don't think Republicans have a policy agenda. So chaos is all they have. And I expect it to come out in 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 big in in a big way, uh, starting starting tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, January sixth is like their national holiday now. It should be a day. Look, look, part of this is our own fault, Democrats' fault. Yeah, we talk about it on our own liberal podcasts and liberal TV stations, but we haven't done enough to really show the American people what happened that day and remind them day in and day out. And we've allowed them to rewrite the narrative on it. Now, a billion dollars is about to be spent on a campaign against Donald Trump. And I'm pretty sure that this will be a big part of that campaign. So we'll see how what kind of impact that money has. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Republicans have been spinning their wheels. Every time I look at a poll about January 6th, less and less blame is being placed on Trump and most people don't even want to talk about it anymore. And that has, in my view, everything to do with the fact that they have invested heavily in spin machines uh you know yeah. every time i turn around there's a new documentary there's a new there's a new truth uh other than yeah. what we saw with our own eyes uh because you're lying eyes chris you didn't see it's them break closet. those windows it's it's it, it, it's a it's a little you know they have their own little media machine it's and not little. 
and and the the problem for us is that it's very focused their media machine right they watch fox they watch newsmax they buy things still right democrats aren't in a business where people are buying anything anymore like we're, we're like all spread out you know people who are liberal don't watch the news all day they they watch other things they have other entertainment interests in their lives. I feel like conservatives spend a lot of their time watching news. News, by the way, designed to keep them angry yep. all the time. And anger is a very powerful emotion, right? It, it, it's really, it's, it, 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 something's got to break it. I don't know what it's going to be. Uh, this is going to be an interesting year. And, and, you know, everyone keeps saying this is the most important election of our lifetime. And, you know, every election is the most important election. But this one really is. I mean, you know, it's being framed as I've had so many people tell me that if Trump wins, this is the end of democracy. It's the end of elections. Do you buy that? Nah, I don't buy that. <laughs> I don't. No concern, all, no concern that all, the, the authoritarian gonna is going to take gonna over. Be... He's going to seek revenge and, and retribution ah, yeah. and all that. I mean, look, if, if he was competent and wise, I'd be really worried. Uh, I'm worried about a lot of things, but he is a very old man. Let's be very clear. He is 70 freaking nine years old and he is fat and he might be on Ozempic right now. I don't know what he's doing. He looks a little better right now, actually, but he's old and uh, he can't run for reelection. He might say, I'm going to waive the Constitution to stay in. Maybe people will go along. Maybe there'll be some people that go along with that, but I don't think everybody will. Um, He'll try to break down the institutions. He'll spend a lot of time doing that. He'll spend a lot of try time trying to fire people. And then what will happen is we'll have a government that does gets nothing done. And there will be elections two years later. And they will be overwhelmingly bad for him. Yeah. Uh, but again, I don't. I don't think he's going to win. Um, I really don't. Because right now, the American people, when they're asked in a poll about Biden and Trump, it is a referendum on Biden. It is not a choice between Biden and Trump yet. Starting sometime in like August, it'll start to become a choice. Right. And when it becomes a choice, and by the way, when you look at states that matter, states that will actually make the decision, Biden's doing a lot better in those states because those states understand that it is a choice between these two idiots. I'm not, I don't think Biden's an idiot, but between <laughs> one idiot and one old, old guy, right? And they don't like either of them, but they're going to go with the guy who's not going to burn this country to the ground. And and Joe Biden, you could say whatever you want about Joe Biden. Joe Biden's not going to burn the country to the ground. No, but here's right? the thing, he's, Chris. You know, I, I got to be honest. I think Biden's got a good record to run on. I like the record. things he's done. I like right. the fact that we're investing in infrastructure. I like the fact that we're reshoring manufacturing. I love the fact that we're moving away from some neoliberal policies that no, I, I, I like think have been destroying us for too long. across this country, gas is below $3 a gallon, right? I also love the fact that whenever, you know, this is what I want Biden to do. Every time, um, every time they mention the economy under Trump, they always forget about the year 2020. Yeah. I want to talk about the year 2020 because Trump was president in the year 2020. And the year 2020, in my opinion, was one of the worst. It was definitely the worst year of my lifetime and one of the worst economic years ever in this nation. Oh, yeah, gas was $1.25 a gallon. Nobody was driving anywhere. They were not allowed to drive. We were locked in our homes 
due to a pandemic that that man allowed to come to this country. And why are we not blaming him for it? Because I'm telling you right now, if Obama was president in 2020, they'd be blaming Obama for the freaking pandemic. And I'm going to blame Trump every chance I get for that pandemic. Because, by the way, he cut USAID funding that had bases in Wuhan, China, to warn us against pandemics. He took that out of the budget himself. Pennywise, pound fool. No, no, I'm right there with you. reason why we weren't prepared for it. Then he wanted to ignore it. He ignored it for four months, and then when it was here, he told us all to stay home. Him. He locked us down. He locked down our economy. He caused the biggest recession since the Great Depression. Him. And we're talking about his. He created negative jobs in his four years as president. He's the first president since Herbert Hoover to create negative jobs on his watch. You want to say he was good for the economy? The economy is getting good right now. It is revving up. People are feeling it. You're starting to see Biden's numbers on the economy inch up. If it continues in this direction in October, people are going to be feeling really good about the economy. And if Biden partners that with a message how this man destroyed our economy, created negative jobs, the country lost jobs during the Trump administration. We we, we ended the Trump administration with almost 600,000 fewer jobs than we started with 20 million jobs lost in the year 2020 because of his incompetence. Right. So, uh, you know, we got to get on message here. We got to stop beating around the freaking bush. You want to talk about the economy? Don't talk about the economy with me. I'll talk about the year 2020. Oh, you can't blame. Yes, I can. And I will. He's the president. The buck stops with him. The economy shut down because of him. And then he increased our debt by $4 trillion that year. Him, not, here. not me, $8 not trillion Joe Biden, over the, oh, not $8 trillion over the course of his entire presidency. A quarter of our debt, because just the other day we, we hit $34 trillion and all my right-wing friends were, we had $34 trillion, it's all Biden's fault. They go, no, 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 it's not all Biden's fault. No, uh, you can, you no, can thank Reagan, you can thank uh, Bush, you can thank, uh, uh, you know, and Trump. Thanks, yeah. guys. Yeah. It's insane. It is insane. So the last line of questioning I've got for you, because, you know, there's there's a lot of talk of lack of enthusiasm. There's a lot of talk of, you know, those polling numbers are the worst ever. Um, concerned about this at all? No, I'm more worried about Joe Biden if Donald Trump is not the nominee. Like, let's say, like I said, you know, it appears right now that Trump's going to roll. What if he doesn't? Trump was winning in the Iowa caucuses in 2016 and then came in third yeah. in the polls. He was he was in first in the polls and you know wasn't as far ahead as he is now, but he was in first. The Iowa caucuses are a very funny thing. People got to go there, they got to stand up, and they got to say, "I'm with this guy," and people make speeches, right? And 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 they're they their neighbors making all speeches. Kinds of stuff, yeah, yeah, it's a very strange thing. I don't like it. I don't think it should be the first in the nation of anything, but it's a strange thing. I like and, the participatory nature of it. I, I love I, the community it, it, yeah, part of it. Yeah, but it's like you got to take off from work. You got to get down there at a specific time. It's a whole thing. It's yeah, not it, very democratic. It could also be gamed. I mean, you, there were there's some you know stories of people buying. He's got bugs. a good organization on the ground, from what I understand. Yeah. Trump does a real organization, which he didn't have in 2016. But you know, as I said for but, for a while ago. And, I but think, let's say, but let's say he doesn't do. Let's say he gets like right now. They're saying, oh, he's going to get like 65 percent in Iowa. Let's say he gets 45 percent and wins. He wins with 45 percent. Nikki Haley gets 35%. Is that really a win? 
Is he the invincible, inevitable guy then? Yeah. No, he is not. That's a good question. A message had been sent then that more than 50% of Republicans in Iowa did not think he should be president. Now you go into New Hampshire, and Nikki Haley has a chance to win in New Hampshire. She's got a chance to win in New Hampshire right now. She's pretty close in New Hampshire right now. Okay, so she's got a chance to win in New Hampshire. If she wins New Hampshire, the next state is her home state. I, uh, you know, I think it's game on if he's under fifty in Iowa. So, um, and I think he's going to be under fifty in Iowa. So, I, I don't think he's as inevitable for the reasons I just gave you. I, I, I don't know when you got to start thinking about it. You really got to start making a decision. You gotta you gotta weigh his entire record, and I you know January. You know, I, I get it. Republicans are gonna dismiss January sixth as oh, this is just some liberal. They're mad about these guys and a couple of people or whatever. Okay, you could dismiss that, but can you dismiss the entire year twenty twenty? It was the worst year in the history of this country. Yeah, but you, most of, most of my 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 red hat friends have have already blamed Biden for the whole thing. Uh, in fact, they've rewritten that as well. That it it wasn't. It's not. It's not the Chinese anymore who released That's 30%. the violence. Thirty percent. It was Democrats. Third, look, there are thirty percent of Republicans uh, that will dismiss everything this guy ever did. Correct. Right. I, I have a crazy Republican friend that was really on me about Bill Clinton being on the Jeffrey Epstein list. I'm like, so is Trump. They're like, well, you have Trump derangement syndrome. I'm like, no, Trump's running for president. Bill Clinton is not right when somebody's running for president and they want up on the Jeffrey Epstein list. It probably warrants a little bit more attention. And by the way, I didn't need him to be on the list. I've seen pictures of him and interviews of them together. I know he was an associate of Jeffrey Epstein. Oh, but Hillary Clinton had him killed in prison. No, Trump controlled that prison. It was a federal prison that he controlled. So if anybody had him killed in prison, it was Trump. So what, you know, like I, I, you know, these guys will, will dismiss everything for this guy. And that's not everybody though. I don't think it's everybody. I mean, you and I have traveled this country. You, you're more in touch with the Heartland than I am, but I've been to the Heartland and they are some of the nicest people I've ever met. Welcoming, accommodating. How could they go for a guy who's just a mean, you know, I, I don't want to use foul language, but. You know, he's just a mean guy, yeah, a nasty human being. There's nothing nice about him. And how looking are for nice vengeance. People, how are, I've been to Iowa. How are nice people in Iowa voting for one of the worst human beings on the planet? He's just not nice. Uh, even if you don't think he's the worst not human being on the planet, we can all agree he's not nice. <laughs> and the other thing is, nice. is he doesn't have he doesn't have an agenda that's going to help people. I mean, I that's could, the point. Anybody, there's, there's nothing there. There's no there there. That's other why... than becoming president again. I don't even know why he's running for president. Like, uh, uh, what, what is the point? What is your agenda? Nothing. Nothing. Well, My the... agenda is to be president. No, his agenda is to pay back. The agenda is retribution. That's the agenda, Chris. Uh, but retribution you know... for what? For losing the presidency? I, I don't even like. Uh, honestly, because you yeah, were look, mean uh... to me. You said bad things. You said very yeah. bad things, Chris. It, he could start a podcast and, and you know, we'd all cover it. I, I, I'd listen. Yeah. I'd listen too. He's very entertaining, <laughs> but it's just, you know, it is, it is what it is. There it is. Uh, Chris, I appreciate the time as always. I, I hope your prediction's right. I, I, I don't, I, I look, you know what? This is the thing about predictions when you're a pundit. This is why I'm a pundit, right? You got to make a big, bold prediction. 
if you're right, you play the tape. If you you're go. wrong, everybody forgets. <laughs> so, so, yeah. You know, roll the dice. Hey. Uh, Chris Hahn, appreciate right, man. the time, man. Thanks so much. Anytime. Our good friend Chris Hahn, the aggressive progressive. Make sure you check out his podcast wherever you get your favorite podcast. Going to take a quick break. Right back. Stick around. You listen to The Rick Smith Show. We're working people. Come to talk. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I made a few New Year's resolutions this week, not for me, but as self-improvement ideas for some of the people running our country. No need for them to thank me. Happy to help. I drafted one for the GOP's whole ultra-rightous gaggle of lawmakers who keep blocking passage of health coverage for poor people. Resolved, we will forego the gold-plated socialized health care we now take from taxpayers because it's only right that we be in the same leaky boat as our constituents. Then there are America's 735 narcissistic billionaires who obviously need to find a moral compass. They're so self-absorbed, they keep wasting their money and, quote, genius on phantasmagoric, plutocratic schemes to separate their fortunes from the well-being of the rest of us. Then they wonder why they're not beloved. So, rich ones, let me help. Resolve in 2024 to Demonstrate a little less hubris, a little more humanity. Less strut, more sharing. Practice in front of a mirror. Try seeing beyond you to the common good. It's a beautiful and deeply rewarding place if you can find it. And then here's my suggestion for the Washington operatives and big money donors of the Democratic Party. Please resolve to camp out in grassroots America this year, where everyday little-d Democrats want and need your attention and support not just in safe blue districts, but especially in rural, purple, and even in red areas. You party honchos have abandoned them in recent years, but they still yearn to build a progressive governing majority for America's future. This is Jim Hightower saying, of course, the problem with New Year's resolutions is keeping them, and my honorees cannot be counted on. So you and I have to keep pushing them to do what's right. Do what's right for you, me, and America. I'm Rick Smith, and this is Labor History in Two. On this date in labor history, the year was 1914. 
the Ford Motor Company raised its basic wage from $2.40 for a nine-hour day to $5 for an eight-hour workday. Many of Ford's contemporary critics scorned his $5 day. Journalists and other automakers predicted disaster for the industry. Henry Ford implemented the wage increase to head off labor unrest in the company and to curtail his problems with worker turnover. The wage increase helped to derail efforts to start a union in his factory. The $5 day was not an act of altruism by the automaker. It was a calculated business decision. Most importantly for Ford, the wage increase enabled his workers to become customers and buy cars of their own. Ford declared one's own employees ought to be one's own best customers. Despite the prognosticators of doom, Ford's plan worked. Ford's profits doubled in the two years after he raised the wages. In 1914, Ford sold more than 300,000 Model Ts, more than all other U.S. automakers combined. By 1920, that number had climbed to 1 million cars a year. Reflecting back on his decision, Ford explained, the payment of $5 for an eight-hour workday was one of the finest cost-cutting moves we ever made. If the minimum wage is increased, perhaps those who today are lining up to predict doom and disaster if the minimum wage is increased might benefit from reading this page from Labor's History. Labor History in Two brought to you by the Illinois Labor History Society and the Rick Smith Show. For more information, go to laborhistoryin2.com, like us on Facebook, and follow us on the Twitters at Labor History in Two. You're listening to the Rick Smith Show, where working people come to talk. Still fascinated by the the board game, the Stop the Steal board game. Yes, there's a board game. Uh, in fact, you know what they said about the board game. It is the, and this is the part that really is kind of frustrating about where we are in this day and age. It, it January sixth, according to them, according to the folks who uh, have put out the Stop the Steal, Storm the Capital, True Anon Edition board game. Um, the funniest day. In American history. This is what they're saying. It was the funniest day in American history. You can choose to be a patriot and storm the Capitol and, you know, attack police and take hostages and, you know, do all kinds of things. Collect ballots, get to the roof and get on Trump's helicopter and fly away. Or you can be part of the police and go after the, uh, the, the only 65 bucks, mind you, uh, to play the, the game that is the funniest day in American history. Now, mind you, you know, five people died on what they're calling the funniest day. Uh, and they, now, these are Marxists who are doing this. So it's interesting to watch Marxists use capitalism to destroy democracy. But hey, here's where we are. Uh, and as I've been saying, look, the rewrite of what happened on that day three years ago uh, is, is quite remarkable. The fact that there are now people who are going, no, no, it was it was a friendly day. It was a funny day. Quite frustrating, quite angering, and that's why I've asked our good friend, former Ohio congressman and political analyst Bob Nay, to come share some thoughts on, you know, maybe what do we expect on the third anniversary of what I consider the the worst day uh, in an American democracy of my lifetime. Uh, Bob, thanks for taking time for us. Well, thank you, Rick. If you win the game, do you get to destroy the board or take a dump on it? Is that what happens? Yeah, I... I actually don't know i i should i should check but i'm not i'm not paying 65 bucks to find out i mean that's that's the thing right. exactly yeah uh 
Yeah, there, there, you know, tomorrow there's going to be two different versions, of course, of uh, January the 6th. Uh, I'm I'm interested to see what the president's going to say. Now, I, I, we know which you know path he'll go down with that because he has characterized Trump as a you know threat to democracy, and he's going to talk about that day and the attempt to to stop you know an election, of course. Um, now, I'm very curious to see <laughs> what line Trump is going to take. I mean, we could predict between the two of us, but I'm sure there'll be some type of twist to it. I mean, do, do you use the there were just tourists in that? Uh, you know, the other thing, if if I were Trump's lawyer, which thank goodness I'm not, wouldn't you be probably saying I need to write that speech for you? <laughs> The one that he's not going to read and he's going to go off script anyway. Uh, Yeah, Yeah. look, I keep talking, Donald. But here's the thing. You know, you go back to three years ago and 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 the the reaction to what happened on that day was the right one. I mean, Republicans, Democrats, independents, most people had the right response. This is horrible. This is wrong. Uh, People should be held accountable. But over these three years, there has been a, a really masterful rewrite. Of, of reality. Uh, you know, there are a number of organizations who have, you know, they've got their documentaries, their true documentaries. Don't believe your lying eyes. Check out our, our true documentary. Mm-hmm. And there's just been this constant drumbeat to where you've seen the polling numbers going away from, you know, even that it was a bad day. In fact, the, the email that I've gotten most recently is, is is you know it was it was a patriotic day it was a great day but more importantly that there was no insurrection that the police escorted them in and that any violence here comes the punchline any violence was done by Hillary Clinton well you know with the with by Hillary was she in the capitol that day evidently that's that's, that's that the one. new okay. line all right i did i missed that one but you know, when you look also, and you haven't seen much out of the forty thousand hours of tapes that the speaker, which I do agree, releasing it because it was released, you know, to to one entity. Um, but out of that, you see a couple of things that they've been able to use, just a couple, and they're and I think they're self-explanatory. When people in the Senate, the uh, police said, "Okay, it's over with," they weren't saying, "Okay, you know, uh, all the fake things you did, now we can leave." They were just saying. It's done. Get out of the chamber. The idea was not to have a gunfight in the chamber. You know, so it's it's explainable. Now, I would assume Donald Trump is going to take the uh, the tact that, you know, Biden talks about me destroying democracy. You know, what about Biden? And he's letting all these people come in across the border. He's got to get the, you know the border in there and some things like that. So I would assume he's going to answer some of that, but he won't be able to stay away from the election was stolen. That he can't stay away from. But if he has half a brain, he will avoid avoid making statements about his role that day. No, I, I find it interesting. He's in a federal court. Yeah, no, I, I but I find it interesting. You now you're seeing, you know, in a lot of places there they're trying to hold Trump off the ballot. Uh, which I, I got to get your thoughts on in a second. I mean, you know, there's there's sure. a, an activist here in my local area who's you know trying to get you know Scott, pardon me, Perry, my congressman, off the ballot. Uh, we, we talked to a state senator, you know, here in Pennsylvania. 
uh, who yesterday on the show, who's you know wanted an ethics investigation into Doug Mastriano for his his behavior around January 6th. There's a lot of this stuff ramping up now. And my question keeps coming back to why is it taking three years? How come this stuff is taking so long? Because we knew and we had talked about this over the last three years, that the longer this draws out, the more the right wing spin machine is going to change the narrative, uh, the more that the, the, the forgiveness will be allowed. And, oh, well, just let sleeping dog lie kind of kind of mentality and this is kind of where we're at i think well which is what we did with iraq which is what we do with everything you know let it well it's too late let it go it'll split the country you know blah 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 now i think personally you know and if i was running the uh, democrat national committee and i had influence with any groups i would you know say to people stop trying to take him off the ballot yeah stop it just dumb stop it now it's not going to work you need to be you know convicted of something of course this goes back to even santos who i think is 959 plus percent guilty of everything and probably things we don't know yet however he was not into a a court and you know you can take this with all the members of congress because it's so popular now to you know sanction this one throw that one out or whatever but when it comes to Trump and the ballot, this is making him stronger because they're going to lose every case. And in some of the states, they've even pulled, pulled them away. They're going to lose every case. And it's going to make him be able to say, they tried to get me 17 times. Yep. You know, they, they did this to Lincoln. They did this to Lincoln. He, Lincoln was off the ballot in 10 states, and he still won the presidency. That's actually true, uh, the Confederate states. So – I just think that, first of all, not a one of them is going to win. He's got to go into court. He is in a federal court situation where if he is found guilty by Smith's charges, he then can't run. That's probably a given. But he is not in that court yet. Well, 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 but again, yeah, this is just, yeah, just I think not playing the game well. Uh, making him look like a martyr, giving him that that sure. martyr card to play. Uh, everyone's out to get me. Because you know, you know, look, nobody plays a, a victim like Trump does. Right. Yeah. I... Right. And then they build a case. Why did you wait so long? Yeah. Why are you doing it now? Yeah. You know, it it, it builds a case. No, it's crazy stuff. I, I got to get your thoughts on the the big news of yesterday, which is uh, uh, the the list of, of Jeffrey Epstein's. Uh, I guess guests or you know people. I guess this list is being being released. We're going to get the names finally of who was on the planes on the island. You know, uh, uh, thoughts? Yeah, I'm going to relate back to my situation years back. Uh, there were pictures of Jack Abramoff, the Uber lobbyist that I got in trouble with, and uh, there were pictures of Jack Abramoff and President Bush. Uh, Jack Jack Abramoff and and the head of the Republican National Committee at the time and everybody was saying I don't know him and, and Jack did get humorous and said well that's an avatar that's really <laughs> I had an avatar for all these pictures you know and of course once somebody gets in trouble anybody that ever knew them you know yeah. has something to answer for wow it's hot now this scandal with Epstein is beyond hot and um, and when. It went down and he died, like I do say, and I'm not a conspiracy theorist guy, but there's three things that don't hang themselves. Christmas tree ornaments, pictures, and Jeffrey Epstein. So, you know, (laughs) and and that's, you know, that's been out there. And now with all of this, uh, there's a couple of problems. And and I just said about, you know, Abramoff, 
when I got in trouble, there were calls from the Los Angeles Times, Washington Post, et cetera, saying, Shah of Iran's daughter, Leila Pahlavi, bought you a boat. Uh, no, she died of a drug overdose in Paris in 2001. She certainly didn't buy me a boat. Uh, however, that was out there. And it's because somebody that the FBI interviewed said to them, I think she bought him a boat. And this is how some of this stuff starts. So I think as far as you know, people that were in lawsuits saying, I heard he said this about Bill Clinton. I heard he said this about Donald Trump. I don't think anything legally is going to come from that. And it's going to be questioned, you know, was it said or wasn't it? You know, who knows? I think there's a deeper thing to this, though, of the fact of knowing everybody, whether it was, you know, David Copperfield, the magician, uh, Trump, uh, Clinton, whoever. And if you look back into Epstein's history, and I'm shocked this isn't talked about. I'm just, I'm in shock. As you know, I uh, lived in the kingdom of Saudi Arabia uh, some years back. And Epstein had an Austrian passport, and it had his photo, but it had a false name. Now tell me, Rick, who back in the 80s would have an Austrian passport with a false name, a false passport, and not have been convicted? And this is – I'm not making this up. This is factual, what I'm telling you. The passport showed his residence as Saudi Arabia. He's Jewish, but it showed him as Saudi Arabia. And then – he was doing business with Adnan Khashoggi, who was the middleman in Saudi Arabia, very powerful. When I worked in Saudi Arabia, Khashoggi was the, you know, next to the king, he was the king. He was the middleman that transferred weapons from Israel to Iran as part of the Iran-Contra scandal. And then Epstein worked and went to Israeli military bases and around the world. Now, having said that, this is the real kicker. Alexander Acosta did the plea deal. And Alexander Acosta is an American attorney, and he also was the prosecutor in Florida. And guess what he also did? I know you know this. He was the 27th United States Secretary of Labor under Donald Trump. He did a plea deal with Dershowitz to basically let Epstein walk on all kinds of sexual charges. Yeah. And Acosta later on, and this is the punchline, said – and I'm going to quote, I was told Epstein belonged to intelligence sources and to leave him alone. And we're sitting here. Everything I have said is factual. It can be checked out. Why doesn't somebody drag Acosta in, you know, to the Justice Department or yeah. a committee or something? And, well, who told you this? Well, I, 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 I got to wonder, you know, look, you know, I'm not a conspiracy theorist either. You know, but this is one of those things where what is, is uh, the fact that this guy has been in so many places uh, had so much money that you, you can't really explain where it all came from, had access to so many people, not just here in the U.S., but all around the globe. You go, he, he's got to be connected somewhere to something, to some to some organization. I'm not saying who, what, or what, mm -hmm. but it, it seems curious. Right, and I think it's bipartisan. He just, there wasn't anybody he didn't know, you know. And the thing oh, is, is, you know, am, am I shocked that on this on this island uh, that you would have young girls there and, and, and men going to old men going to have sex with young girls? No. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and it's not partisan. I, this is the thing. You know, Bill Clinton's name's on the list. Do I doubt that he was involved in anything? No, I don't. Donald Trump's name was on there. Do I doubt he? No, of course not. In fact, you know, Trump's in his own words <laughs> said he likes young, young women. 
Um, you know, in fact, they bought the Miss Team USA pageant so he could check out the talent. Uh, that's that. So I guess the question with this becomes, is this going to matter? Will anything come of this? Will we learn anything? Or is this just going to be more red hat, blue hat? Is this just going to be more divisive kind of, well, this is, you know, you know, Bill Clinton, Donald, what do you, what do you see out of this? Well, you know, you're right. Here's what's going to happen. Bill Clinton was, you know, mentioned 50 times. Well, Epstein flew to Mar-a-Lago. You know, so, okay, let's make it a wash. You know, <laughs> I don't think at the end this this matters much. I believe it would be really good for the entire system, maybe embarrassing, to find out how this guy was connected from 1981 forward all over the world. That's not going to happen. This is going to be about, you know, did the magician sleep with somebody or did Michael Jackson, was was he on the island? You know, this is what this is going to be about. And it, it will just then end as Epstein ended. Yeah. And again, and again, I come back to, you know, how, how much dirt did he have on, on all of those people and what, you know, what what came out of all that dirt? And where is that dirt? Yeah. No, I <laughs> mean, this is where he... cameras everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> And and if and this is where you go. How can how can you as as you know go down the list of people whose names are going to be on this? How can you get yourself into a situation like that and not know that you're being set up? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I'm 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 cur- I'm cautious of virtually every person I meet. And I'm nobody. Right. Right. Yeah. I. You know. I don't know. Exactly. Uh, I, I don't know. Did you ever fly on 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 the on the Epstein jet? No, that's one I missed. <laughs> All right, I'm just checking. I I flew I flew on that jet to Scotland with Abramoff, and that was enough. That was enough. That got you in enough trouble. <laughs> that, yeah, that that cost me a lot of money and and time. Yeah, yeah no, thirty that, months of my time. Yeah, that's terrible. Uh, last line of questioning I've got. You know, obviously the new year. Um, we're gonna have interesting fights in the days, weeks, and months ahead. What are you paying attention to? Well, you know, with all the things that are out there, the Epstein, the war, you know, everything that's going on, uh, we kind of still missed the 34 with a T trillion dollars in the national debt and deficit. And, of course, now that interest rates have raised, then that goes from being uh, $300 billion to another, quote, trillion after a year, adding additional interest onto the thing. So, which flips us fast forward that you would believe that the Congress, which I'll be real fair here, both sides have failed on this thing for a long, long time, and presidents since Bush. I mean, all of them. Now they can argue, well, this one only increased the deficit, you know, two trillion, but they've all failed. And that's going to sit here, and then the Speaker of the House, Johnson, is going to have to make a deal again, because he's not going to get the you know, the caveman caucus of those eight to go along with anything except a government shutdown. So we might have a partial shutdown, but I can't imagine where Johnson would say to the Democrats, we're not going to work with you to continue this. Of course, when he does that, he might be in jeopardy again if Matt Gates decides to get his, you know, 20 minutes on TV again. So uh, I don't have much faith that there's going to be a budget process like the Republicans promised. They better make sure this year that they don't go into the new speaker uh, 15 rounds, you know, which they did in past history. But I don't look for a banner year. Now, I will tell you this beyond Jim Jordan trying to investigate everything. Immigration will come up, and, I, and I'm seeing signs of some top Democrats 
starting to say, uh, hey, we need a bipartisan solution in the Senate in particular. Yeah. And it's, start, and it's starting in the House. Now, okay, somebody could say, well, where have they been? Well, where's everybody been? Where's everybody been? You know, so maybe, just maybe, there might be some type of decent movement uh, with with uh, the border. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't ever see there being a solution in this because no. there's there's too much no. there's too much political hay. There's too much money set up in in being for or against. Uh, there, it's it's an industry at this point. And the corporate America is thrilled with the the flood of cheap labor, so I don't ever see there being a solution because uh, you look at the abortion thing. Uh, Republicans had their their cash cow, and that industry is is drying up, and politically it's hurting them. Uh, so I think I, I I just don't see there ever being a solution on this front, and because ultimately we've got desperation at our southern border. Uh, until you figure out how you're going to uh, solve that desperation all, you know, from from Mexico all the way down, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know how you how you fix this mm-hmm. this solution. I don't I don't know that there's a solution to this. Mm-hmm. And and we're coming off the one of the most lackluster years since whenever since the uh, Hoover. Uh, in the house uh, a horrible amount of of lack of legislation the the worst in modern times so i just don't see that changing much this year yep. who's going to yield to make biden look good uh they're not going to cooperate they can't even cooperate with themselves nope. but i do think probably it's going to be a run at uh, at immigration no we'll see i look i think there, i think it has to be solved there has to be a there has to be at least a path forward uh, right. Nobody's going to be happy, and and if nobody's happy, then maybe you got some kind of a reasonable deal. Maybe, um, because there's you know you, you, the slam the door people aren't going to win. The, the fl- fling the door wide open people aren't going to win. Aren't going to win. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so you know where's that where's that point in the middle, and you know how, you know where do you draw that line? Will corporate America be happy? And you know, mm-hmm. I I just don't know how you, I don't know how you do that and. And politically get get something done. I just, not not in this yeah. day and age. Yeah, it's the only thing I see is going to have some kind of viability of discussion. Otherwise, I just I just don't see anything happening this year. Yeah, it's election year. I'm right there with you. Yes. Uh, but Bob, as always, I appreciate Thank the you. time. Great stuff, my friend. Thank you. Our good friend Bob Nay. I want to hear your thoughts? Email me Rick at the Rick Smith Show I'm going to take a quick break. Right back to wrap things up. Stick around. Listen to the Rick Smith Show, where working people come to talk. I'm Rick Smith, and this is Labor History in Two. On this day in labor history, the year was 1804. That was the day Ohio became the first non-slave-holding state to enact a series of black codes. Ohio had previously been a part of the Northwest Territories, which barred slavery in 1787. When Ohio entered the Union in 1803, its Constitutional Convention had established the previous November that slavery would not exist in the state. But delegates were split evenly regarding black suffrage and ultimately voted to disenfranchise African Americans. 
Several months later, Ohio caved to pressure from the nearby slaveholding states of Kentucky and Virginia. The state enacted codes to restrict immigration of free blacks and runaway slaves. In order to settle and work in Ohio, blacks had to present a certificate of freedom, register, and pay a registration fee. The black codes also enforced compliance with fugitive slave laws and set a precedent for neighboring northern states to develop their own. The codes became more oppressive in 1807 when they were amended to also require a $500 good behavior surety bond as a requirement for residents. Despite this and other restrictive measures, the black population of Ohio grew annually as blacks escaped north to freedom by following the Ohio River and Underground Railroad in the state and neighboring Pennsylvania. Abolitionism as a movement began in the state as early as the 1820s when John Rankin moved to Ripley, Ohio to join the anti-slavery communities and establish his home as a beacon of safety for blacks escaping the South. The movement gained steam in the 1830s with the founding of the Ohio Anti-Slavery Society, the newspaper The Philanthropist, and Oberlin College. Labor History in Two brought to you by the Illinois Labor History Society and The Rick Smith Show. Welcome back to The Rick Smith Show. Now, here is Rick Smith. You know, I got to tell you, I hope I hope Bob's right. I hope something's done on the immigration front because we've got we've got serious problems at the border, and it's causing problems in cities all across this country. and And, and I said this a while ago, uh, when Greg Abbott started sending uh, migrants to to Chicago and to to New York and to other cities, you know how would how would Democrats respond to that? Uh, because now it's on their back door. And you're seeing, you know, some, you know, the the budgets just can't afford it. And the federal government needs to, to you know, evidently kick in some more money, obviously. But we, we need we need a policy. And we've needed this for a while. And and look, I'm not either of the uh, slam the door shut. No one can come. We're we're full. Uh, I'm not that that. But I'm also not the, hey, swing the doors open, uh, come and go as you please. I'm not in that vein either. Uh, We need young labor coming into this country. That's the truth. We need younger workers coming in. We need young blood coming in. Uh, You know, how did the one one old guy tell me? He goes, you know, we need need people who are going to wipe noses and wipe behinds in the next 20 years. You need that entry-level worker, that that immigrant labor that comes in and does the crummy jobs that no one wants to do. And and that's not just here. You know, as I talked about the other day when we were in Costa Rica, um, you know, the, the guy's like, you know, this is why we bring the Nicaraguans in. Uh, they're the ones who pick the bananas because we don't want to do that work anymore because it's hard, dangerous, life-threatening work. So you you pawn that off on someone a little more desperate, someone who's a little bit more desperate than you are. And that's harsh to say, but that's the reality. And for a very long time, that's what we used to do in this country. And nobody said anything about it. We used to bring people in. They would come across the border. They'd come and work. Uh, they'd pick you know the crops. They'd you know they'd follow the crops, uh, and then they'd go home. Uh, with the money that they made, and they'd be able to support their families, and there, there was a, there was a, you know, kind of a give and take. Once you start putting up these harsh borders and saying, "No, there's, there's no way to get back," 
it's it's well now you create this environment of of underground labor and and, and this is where this is where I've also been. Look, I don't think we have to have a system where uh, you know people you know have to sneak in in the middle of the night and and hide because then they're even more exploitable, and that brings working conditions down. So in this in this place in this in this moment, having no real policy that's that's workable, and I know my my right wing friends are well we've got laws slam the doors. Um, they're not working. Clearly not working. Uh, as I said, you know, 14 years ago, don't stop the foreign aid. Uh, we were paying people to stay in their countries. Until we can figure out how to solve the, the poverty and desperation problems of, of, of south, the whole southern part of, of this continent, um, people are going to still want to be here. And I've said it a thousand times myself, if I'm on the southern end of this border looking across going I'm hungry and my kids are starving and I'm desperate uh, I guarantee you I guarantee you I am finding my way here one way or another so like it or not we have a lot of problems to solve but here's the thing being the wealthiest country in the history of civilization at its wealthiest moment we have some tools at our disposal we have some ability to to maybe, I don't know, maybe we've got some some, some chance to, to do some things. Question is, is will we? And the answer, quite frankly, no. Too much money to be made. But I want to hear your thoughts. Email me, Rick at the Ricksmithshow.com. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll see you back here next time. You've been listening to the Rick Smith Show. Email Rick. At Rick at the RickSmithShow.com. Until next time, this has been the Rick Smith Show, where working people come to talk. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.